So what does it take to make your first million, to scale a business, or to get your first high street listing? I'm Oliver Bruce, founder and entrepreneur myself, and I ask industry leaders and entrepreneurs on my award-winning podcast, Success is in the Mind, exactly that. From high-growth startups to scale-ups and businesses about to exit, I am joined weekly by the founders of businesses like Octopus Energy, Genies, Thursday Dating, Habito, Cano Water and Hera, as well as many more. From sportswear to tech, energy to consumables, hear it here firsthand from those entrepreneurs innovating and disrupting. Join me every Wednesday from 8am. You called me up, you were very excited. You said, I want to come on and do one of those little podcast things. <laughs> and I said, why? And you go, I've just sold a business, Google Halo. And I did. Nearly a billion dollars. I mean, you don't have to ever work again, but you're going to. Yes, I, 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 do, I really enjoy building up a company, having an idea, yeah. and seeing it in, you know, coming to fruition. Thank you so much to our headline sponsors for the year, Capsule Cover. Capsule Cover, a specialist insurance partner to growth businesses, supports some of the UK's most innovative and ambitious companies. Sponsoring each and every one of our podcasts, we're on a journey with Capsule, and so should you be. If you're a scale-up or an ambitious, high-growth business, check out how Capsule Cover can help you with bespoke insurance solutions. Inquire via CapsuleCover.com and quote Success22. In this slightly shorter catch-up episode of Successes in the Mind, we invited Rory Sweet back into our studio. Rory, who originally joined me in Series 1 of Successes in the Mind, has since sold his business for some $715 million, and he tells this podcast exclusively how. We would love to know what you guys think of these catch-up episodes where we look back with past guests at their milestones and progress. Welcome, ladies and gentlemen, to Rory Sweet. So, Rory, you were on the show a couple of series ago. You've just sold for $715 million. How? Well, I think it was a, probably a question of good timing more than anything else. It's taken us probably four years, I think, to get the business to that point. Okay. And I think all the stars happened to be aligned. Um, trading was very good the last year. And I think a lot of that was mainly due to COVID, funnily enough. Because it's a tech business. Yes, that's right. Yeah. So talk to me about what Halo does. Well, Halo manufactures um, these things called optical transceivers. Right. Which are, if you would imagine, a service provider like, say, Vodafone or, or, yep. or BT, they've got a lot of fiber optic cables running around their network. And each one of those fiber optic cables has to plug into a little device, which then plugs into a switch. And they're all capable of transmitting data at multiple speeds right and they convert the light the light waves into electricity which wow. then goes back into the network and, and that was conceptualized by you guys or was that something you acquired and grew in exits well it all it all started um 20 years ago when we were right. a cisco distributor fine and we were we were just tinkering around with was this rbr of, was this yes a, this was that's, RBR. that's right yeah we were tinkering around with these switches and we we, we noticed that these optical Transceivers at Cisco we were selling mm -hmm. um, happened to be made in China, and right. um, so we then I did a bit of research and we managed to find out where they were being made, and, right. and then we were able to buy them ourselves and rebrand them with our own brand and sell them at a fraction of the price. And that was essentially Halo. What what became Halo? Well, that, essentially. that essentially became a, a company called Prolabs. Right. Why was, was it, why was, was it called Prolabs? Really? Well. 
we we thought it was quite funny at the time, but it was it was because it sounded like prolapse, <laughs> I mean, and it was never really intended to be a serious business. And it worked quite well. But it it did it did seem to take off. Actually, how much and, did you make from prolapse? Um, well, personally, as a term, <laughs> as a as a business, as a business, not you individually. Oh. Um, well, Prolabs Pro, Pro eventually bought a company in the States. Right. And the thing, the problem with Prolabs is that we only really had one or two customers, right. and we needed to acquire a company with a much bigger customer base and more products. And so we, we bought a company in the States called Add-on. Okay. And they had maybe 8,000 customers, and they had a superb management team. And it turned out it was more like they actually bought us at the end of the day. And so... <laughs> We, we, we merged the companies together and created Halo. You know, I inherited a business that hasn't been run very well over the last, when I was away. I think I mean, when you go away, things, it was all going well when I, when I left. And having come back, we haven't spent the last two or three years rectifying it all. And we're now starting to turn the corner on it and actually it's doing really well now. So you went back into the previous business you mentioned last time on the podcast, and there was a hell of a lot of it you know, that, that wasn't necessarily being run correctly. That business hardware is now doing or about to do very, very well. They're going through M&As as well. Why have they suddenly turned a corner? Um, I did a management buyout. Well, I, my management bought me out 10 years ago from mm-hmm. that business, and they, I, I took a 10-year sabbatical, and it turned out that it was kind. Of, it, was, it was a bit mismanaged. I think to say it was all their fault maybe would be a, a bit much, but it, it let it go basically. And, and I, I came back in to try and sort the problems out and put some new people in there. Sure. And it, it took it took three years to actually sort it out. Fine. And we didn't have much cash to play with. We had a load of employees that were on had been there for fourteen mm-hmm. years that we wanted to move on. You know, so everyone had these huge payouts. Mm-hmm. Uh, in order to streamline the staff, and we got it down from 150 people down to now it's about 53. And whose idea was that was the payout, the golden handshake? Was that was that yours? Was that advised? Um, well, it, I mean, it's just some people you you know you you don't re- don't re- you don't feel fit in the organisation, mm. and you mm. want to you want to move them on. And unfortunately, if they've been working there for 14 years, they're entitled to maybe what I, I don't know what it is six months six yes. months pay or something. And in term in terms then of when they moved on and the structural change because it seems only over the last six months so between 21 and 22 the hardware have kind of gone down that route of significant growth they're looking at buying businesses merging businesses moving to the us looking at 100 million cap that's massive yeah i think that now we've cleaned all of the the sort of rubbish out of our balance sheet and we've now got a proper coherent strategy and and we're now an authorized cisco reseller which has Mm -hmm. worked very well for us we have we have a we have a proper plan which we're sticking to. Uh, we've got great customers, small streamlined team, mm-hmm. and everyone's very motivated and and moving in the in the in the same direction. When you sell a company, what do you mm-hmm. feel? It's very exciting when it's when it's happening, and you know it always seems to be not happening, and then it's happening, and then it's it's off again. And then it's, do you get annoyed when it seems like it's not happening when it's so close to that? That value, that exit, that cash. Yeah, it, it's you can't, you just can't. I can't sleep. No, and um, that's and not then, because of the sale of the business. Though, is it? <laughs> it's just very, it's very, it's very. Yeah, so there are always all these things are fairly life changing events. Well, this and, was your and, biggest and, exit and, to date, no? Yes, it is. Yeah, because you called me up. You were very excited. You said, "I want to come on and do one of those little podcast things." <laughs> and I said, "Why?" And you go, "I've just sold a business, Google Halo," and I did. 
nearly a billion dollars. I mean, you don't have to ever work again, but you're going to. You're going to do yes, it. Yes, I, 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 I really enjoy building up a company, having an idea, yeah. and seeing it in you know coming to fruition, and also working. I like I like working with funny people, having <laughs> having a, having a laugh, mm-hmm. and um, trying to trying to create something. What's what's next on the horizon then, in terms of creation, irrespective of hardware's growth? Are you investing in startups, scale ups? Um, I have been involved in a startup uh, called Kindio. Kindio, uh, what do they do? Which uh, it, it's a it's a it's a platform that enables companies and individuals to collaborate with content in a secure and private environment. Mm-hmm. And, and where, where where you're celebrating a birthday, or it could be a wedding, or it could be a company event, yep. or anything. Mm-hmm. And we've we've got about four hundred thousand customers now, and it's growing quite rapidly. And the way it works is that if someone wants to create a Kindio for someone... And what is, what is Kindio then? What a Kindio is, is a sort of is a kind of online video monta- photo montage or, or content, a mon- montage of content, that they will go and invite on average about 20 people. And those 20 people will, co- will, will, will contribute content to the platform. And it's all real time. So mm-hmm. people can, can participate and follow it. And then out of out of all those twenty people, maybe five will go on to create their own ones. Fine, and they'll invite another twenty people on average. So it's Fine. very viral. It is a viral concept, and I'm assuming it's pay as you go in terms of just a monthly. At the moment, it's free. Or, is it freemium? Yeah. Is it going to become paid? Uh, we're, we're 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 trying to work out what angle we're going to approach on that. But one thing that we've just we've just established is we've been looking at some of the stats, and it's, it's actually being used by. Probably fifty of the biggest companies in the world. So it's being used it? by by Google. It's being used by Facebook. It's wow. being used by all sorts of companies like that, and it's being used for doing internal kind of staff things. Oh, okay, is, training and comms pieces. This is really interesting. Yeah, and it's, just talk me through the process then, because do you know much about how that runs, or are you simply the kind of seed cap to get it to a level whereby it's run by the people? Again, they don't really let me have anything to do with it. UK based? <laughs> is it UK based? Yeah, no, it is. It's it based is. in. Um, it's run by someone called John Gilby, mm-hmm. um, and Stuart Holness is the chairman, who's also the chairman of Hardware. So okay, we fine. tend to all work quite closely together. So there's a nice sort of synergy there in uh, that sense. Yeah. And in terms of outside of your circle, I suppose, do you not invest in startups because you don't know the founder as well? Because it seems if you do keep it in t- inside your circle, that's because you have that element of trust, I'm assuming. Yes, I think that I tend to run a lot of, a lot of things by Stuart Holness. And we tend to kind of stay within the same group of people and because we've all worked together a lot in the past and we, and it, we all know each other very well and yeah. it, it makes things a lot easier. In terms of when you're selling a business, obviously, you, you prospected and you sent it to big corporations, $45 billion corporations. Are you picky with who you sell a company to? Yeah, I, I think that when you, you know, you have to, you have to be sure that there is a synergy. Otherwise, you're kind of wasting your time. And uh, you know, if someone came along who make, made bathtubs, mm-hmm. it's not really going to—you know—it's not really going to get off the ground. But do you care if you're ours? Um, yeah, I mean, I, I guess uh, I, I don't. I think if, if it's right, it feels right. Mm-hmm. I mean, sometimes it's too early, and you think you can go further with it. But generally, it does kind of feel right. And and I think. You know, people who, and unless someone just comes along and offers you any amount of money, whatever. I've never really been in that situation before, but um, I think that it's always, I always feel like I want to put the, 
you know the employees because we we do care about them uh, in in the right hands in the right, in the right <laughs> and in the right era with the right HR director in place. But in terms, I suppose, of of where you see this going, then because a lot of entrepreneurs that listen to us listen to people and businesses that are scaling up, that are just starting out, that are yeah. having issues in terms of raising funding or whatever it is. You've never had that issue with raising funding. You have exited businesses. What do you come up against when you're exiting a business that is the same issue that you might come up against when starting? Well, actually, actually, all of our businesses have been funded um, privately by yourself. Or not, by no, not by me. By our, the last one was funded by Inflection. Okay, Inflection are a, they're a they're, they're a great company as well, actually, and they they put in two very intelligent people on the board, mm-hmm. and that's where a lot of the discipline comes from. Right, you know, where f- for you it's really helpful. Yeah, and it means that you have to you know if you get your you start getting your accounts wrong, you just get fired, okay, <laughs> and then you get all your shares taken away. Really. Really, and, and so you've got to make sure that you do it right. So in terms of inflection, then what do they do? They are a bit like Business Growth Fund, I'm assuming BGF that pump money and then advise, or yeah, they're they a private equity fund. So they'll go out to their investors, they'll raise say two billion pounds right. for their for their UK or US or growth fund, sure, and then they'll go and find twenty companies to buy, right, or to invest in. I would say a forty percent stake, and they'll want to invest between fifteen and hundred million. Or something probably right. into each one. They'll put a couple of guys on the board, and then they'll they'll, you know, they'll monitor it very closely, mm-hmm. and they'll try and leverage a lot of their contacts and stuff like that um, to help the business grow. Do you have to have a certain value, a certain EBITDA, to be able to be recognised by them to get the funding? Like BGF, you have to have a million plus EBITDA. Do you have to have that with with, with that agency? I think when we went to them, we we um, I think we were about we were we were about. Um, Five million pounds EBITDA, and the other the other company was five million. Right. So they so they, they engineered the uh, the merger. Right. Okay. And they put the money in, and then they bought out all the small shareholders. So fine. yeah, about that level. Okay, fine. And in terms then of, I suppose, exiting with them, do they then tell you who you can sell to? Do they take a lot of the steel? They, they actually they... did a lot of the, the heavy lifting. Right. And they will deal with the with the with the, the buyers and the buyers' lawyers. Okay. Because th- they have to. You know, concede a lot of points as as well, mm-hmm. and they, you know, they they it's it's, it's really in their interest, obviously, because mm-hmm. they they're, they're working on behalf of their own investors. Well, they want their return, don't they? They want their return, but they don't want to, you know, do a bad deal. Since you started out, things have changed in the world. Do you think you could start a business in the current climate? Well, it's interesting you say that. It mm. all it all seems quite uh, everything's changed a lot, uh, particularly around all the digital marketing yeah. and everything, and. I think I'm more of a traditional person, more of a transactional type business person. Where in terms of buy and sell? Buying, buying something and selling something mm. or, 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 or doing a service better than someone else can do it. What would you say the best piece of business practice is when starting a business and wanting to weather against a storm, for instance? So we had COVID, a lot of businesses mm. pivoted and changed. You know, You were lucky in that instance, granted, but arguably hedged and it didn't necessarily work, what would you say to start up some businesses? I would just say that the one thing that I, I kind of learned, I think, the most important thing I learned was to have just really, really good financials mm-hmm. and just have make sure you have absolute control and grasp of what you're doing in that, you know, in that way and in in all the financials and the metrics of your business, you know, even if it maybe costs more than you want to spend at the time. In terms of mistakes, then, have you ever made any significant mistakes in the business? Apart from employing the wrong people, which everyone does, have you ever made a decision which you regret and had an adverse effect on the biz? 
Yeah, there's always something. We used to have, we used to have a, a kind of leaderboard of c- total clusterfucks. Go on. What was on that? I think my one was I bought. I had this idea to 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 make to, ha- to have a, a business that was so you'd go online and order a cable and then it, w- it would be manufactured in this factory. So I right. ended up spending a fortune on this cable business that was making cables from the 1970s. Right. In Swindon. Right. And making them in Swindon. Yes. Okay. Right. And then we, ne- we basically never sold a single cable. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> what was the logic behind that, then? Well, I think it was a nice idea, but obviously these things are made in China, aren't they? Um, Cheaper, yeah. For, for pittance and then... Yeah, for good, for good reason. Yeah. If you didn't become such a successful entrepreneur, whether it was through intention or accident, what business would you have gone into? Stockbroking? Um, well, I, I, when I was at school, they said that I should be a scientist... I would like really? I should be wearing a white coat, and they say, oh, according to my psychological profile. What's your psychological profile then? Uh, I don't know quite what it was, but they said that I'd be best suited as a, as a, as a, in a laboratory. In a laboratory, <laughs> <laughs> away from everybody. Yes. <laughs> in terms then of kind of, you know, what you would say to any entrepreneur that's listening, irrespective of having fun, irrespective of making money, why did you do what you did? For me, it's just something I fell into, and it's a path that I I wanted always to not really work for anyone. I want to have the freedom to to be able to do what I want whenever I want. Mm-hmm. And I think by starting your own business, that is what you get. And if you work for someone else, then you you know you don't get that. Do so you blame much. yourself when you make mistakes? If you you know the clusterfuck that you said in terms of that business where you made cables, did you? I think mistakes. You know, people always say this, and it's just a bit of a cliche. But it's so, it's very important to make mistakes, and it's mm-hmm. the only way it's the only way of learning um, of how not to make them again in the future. Do you say that because you've succeeded in the ones that haven't gone wrong? Do you have a very tarnished view on it? The people that make mistakes consistently and businesses fail consistently mm. would look at it and go, "It's just generally quite irritating. Nothing's working." Whereas you've got an element to be able to make a business happen, irrespective of the damage that's caused if it doesn't work. I mean, I've been through state, you know, two or three years where nothing seems to work, mm-hmm. and I just think you have to just keep persevering and and find the right format. Mm-hmm. I think that it's just we we we've made so many mistakes over the years, mm-hmm. and I just think the important thing is just not to get emotional about them. It's just simply, how do you how do you not get emotional when it's your baby? Just simply, it, it, it's all it's all part it's all part of the, the learning experience. It's all part of mm-hmm. success. Is is failing essentially, as we all know. Thank you so much for coming on. Yeah, and thank you. Best of luck with the next billion dollar business. Thank you very much. I'm sure it won't be. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks for listening. Join me next week, Wednesday at eight a.m. on all podcast platforms, where we'll be speaking to another leading entrepreneur. Show your support by subscribing as without you, this podcast wouldn't happen. Produced by Pinpoint Media and sponsored by Capsule Cover, this was a Success is in the Mind podcast. Take care.